Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the second episode of season five of the Power of Privilege and Allyship podcast. My name is Funke Abimbola, and I'm a partner at a global organizational consultancy focusing on delivering diversity, equity, and inclusion solutions to our clients across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. I'm the main host of this podcast alongside my son, Max. So hi, everybody. My name is Max Abimbola, and I am a second-year computer science student at Newcastle University. Yeah, so we have Georgina Rigg. We're going to have to modify our questions slightly because Georgina is, well, as she she's going to tell you, she's in year 13, currently studying for her exams. But yeah, Georgina, if you just like um, introduce yourself to the listeners real quickly. Hi, I'm Georgina. I'm currently in year 13, as you know. I'm currently revising for A-levels in religion, philosophy and ethics, politics and government and psychology. And I recently finished up my EPQ as well. Very, very busy times. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Georgina. Was it about 18 months ago now, Georgina? Yes, you were on my work experience scheme. Georgina, in the spirit of full transparency, attends my my former school, Burgess Hill Girls. That's that's out in the public domain. I'm not giving away anything that's confidential there. And she really, really did strike me, uh, overwhelmed me, in fact, with her talent and just how exceptional uh, she was as part of the work experience scheme. She was she was quite young when she was doing the scheme as well. I think he was still about to do your GCSEs when you're on that scheme. Cool. Yeah, so you really, yeah. really impressed, <laughs> impressed me greatly, Georgina. Uh, usually now is when we talk about your career path, but we're just not quite there yet. Um, that'll be in the future. Why don't you share a bit more about your A-levels and, and why you chose those those A-levels? What interested you in the choice of A-levels? So what's really interesting to me is people. I just find everyone very fascinating um and sort of the way that we structure our societies our morals how we interact with other people it's coming from the sort of experiences that I've had with my own identity and people reacting to that and also just experiences with because I've done like a looked a lot into law as a sort of career pathway and so just looking at what everything around us means to people so I sort of started from that point of social sciences being really important to how I see the world and also um something that a few people know about me is that I'm autistic and so that sort of social knowledge it doesn't really come naturally to me which in some ways is a blessing because I get to view everything as something new to learn about and it's made me so incredibly curious about all of these different things that I can study and get so much insight into the ways that things are working. I've also been really interested in social justice and different rights movements. And so for me, the politics and the philosophy behind that is something that's really important to look into. And so I've been really enjoying them. I have some days where I sit down to revise um, and not all days are like this, I'll be honest, but I just sit down. I think, wow, I'm so lucky to be doing these subjects. I'm really enjoying this. I will share, though, my EPQ was sort of a um, more out of left field choice. Um, I looked at Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> for my EPQ, um, which I it was all social sciences based. It was to do with feminism, politics, psychology, religion and queer identity in the show. But um, that's just another thing that <laughs> I've done at A-level. 
No, that's amazing though, because I mean, people might laugh at that. I'm not laughing. Well, it is very, it's very interesting that you've chosen that because I do watch, and I'm sure you might have seen on, on YouTube, there's loads of video essays about media and how, you know, certain tropes are presented. And it's really important because, I mean, we're living in a very data-driven world, media-driven world where we're always watching something. There's always a TikTok, there's always a film coming out. And it starts from a young age when you're watching these when you're watching these things that you start to form ideas about the characters that you're seeing and then it can translate into the real world. So, you know, I think that's really cool that you've done that because there are lots of parallels that you can draw to the real world. So, yeah. Amazing. I mean, that's the first time I think I've heard that subject matter. It takes such depth of thinking and analysis mm. to use that and to draw out the themes. So, so well done on that, Georgina. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's been such an enjoyable experience to to have a look at all of the different themes. But um, I think at this point, everyone's getting slightly tired of me reciting it back at them. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to delve a bit deeper and talk about, because you mentioned that you are autistic, um, so clearly you're neurodivergent. Can you talk about how that might have affected you or challenged you in your, your life? Yeah, so for me, it didn't get I sort of picked it up in myself um, at about nine-ish. There's a lot more um, research that's being done now into autism in people who are assigned female at birth and all of the different ways that that can present. So due to masking behaviours, it's generally picked up later in girls, which means that there's sort of a lot of different things that can go on with internal presentations. So for me, that was the fact that I would struggle with my mental health. I would be really having this drive to to try and fit in with people, but never quite could could do that. And in terms of what my challenges were, everything was a social environment. Everything was a sensory environment that I had to sort of navigate. And through that, self-advocacy is something that I've become really had to learn over time um, because there's a lot that people, if they can't see it so easily, then they won't believe it. Um, and it's trying to get people to think of it not as a spectrum from, you know, one to 100, but a spectrum of all different presentations that, that people can have and removing the stigma around those as well. I've had people not believe that I'm autistic because I don't present how they think I should or because they don't they think that somebody who quote-unquote functions the, the way that I do can't be struggling with something and there's so much that that's going on at the moment which seems so hopeful around different people sharing their experiences and especially um from an intersectional point of view, there's so much that's going on online at the moment, especially different movements and hashtags to promote different intersectional experiences of people with autism. So just learning about everyone else's experiences as well through that has been really lovely to have, but definitely something that I've had to learn to navigate a bit more. Yes, yes. And, and just takes tremendous courage as well, Georgina, you know, overcoming these off obstacles at, at such a young age. Mm. I mean, how old are you? Can only be about eighteen. Yeah, I'm eighteen. I got diagnosed at seventeen, but I went into my diagnosis. I had printed out the DSM five criteria, and um, I had about eight pages of where I'd written everything. And I had one teacher tell me that that should have given me a diagnosis on its own. But <laughs> yeah, it was just such a a long process to to go through. And we are here now. <laughs> yes, yes. And do you feel like 
how important do you think that the diagnosis is to you? Because one of my friends was actually diagnosed at a similar age to you as well. Um, she was diagnosed at around 17 and even challenged my own preconceptions about what autism was. So it's really taught me a lot. So, but then how personally, like, what does it, what does it kind of mean to you? For me, a lot of it is curiosity. There are lots of things that don't come naturally to me. And so I'm always someone who asks why, even when the situation to many people definitely does not call for it. I need to know why behind things. It means that, well, so my favourite research that's been done about it, um, I'm quite interested in all the different studies that are going on. My favourite characterization, characterization thus far is um, they're looking at neurons in the brain and how that works. And some people think that there's 42% more activity in the autistic brain at any given moment. And that it's just neurons firing, making loads of different connections that they wouldn't otherwise be making, which is why things can be overwhelming. But it's also why I think in all of my situations, my brain works based on making connections between the things that I've experienced and the things that I can learn. And knowing that has sort of helped me a lot with like school and stuff, just linking things back to um, the things that I'm really interested in or the things that I know about. But it's just a difference that I'm coming to terms with. And I hope that my answer to what it means for me will change over time as I sort of understand more and, and do more learning about what that is. But that's what it is at the moment. Amazing. And thank you so much for sharing because it is very personal. But thank you so much for making it very clear to people. Thank you, Georgina. And, you know, neurodiversity and new, being neurodivergent is an area that corporates are so aware of. I mean, you know, we get clients all the time asking about this, you know, how can we support our staff who are neurodivergent? And it's something that, you know, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast, you know, here's a young lady 18 telling you, you know, this is how the diagnosis starts. This is how it can present. And really sort of warning against some of the wrongful assumptions and biases uh, that we can have uh, around how this might present. So again, you know, thank you so much, Georgina, for mm-hmm. for sharing that with us. It would really, really help a lot of people. And I'm just intrigued. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, Georgina, believe it or not, that I was in year 13 myself, uh, but it was a very long time ago in reality. I'm intrigued to know what's the structure of your day at the moment. I know you've got exams starting soon, but how do you organise your time? What's a typical day like for you as a year 13 student about to start her A-levels? So at the moment, each day is sort of looking a bit different. I've been sort of known in the, um, we have these little meetings at um, in the sixth form called SOS drop-ins, um, but it's basically where all of the students with different learning needs sort of get together and I'm sort of known as the trial and error one. I've tried so many different things to make learning sort of work for me. And so I'm still going through that that process. But at the moment, um, I'm going to the library a lot. So I'll get up, head to the library, try and do roughly a topic a day of any of my subjects, just really focus in on it for a bit, because I find that the way that I do best is just focusing um, on on whatever happens and maybe I'll intersperse that with some breaks to go and walk around or just do something a little bit different and then go back to the library and then sort of mid-afternoon-ish I'll head home have a bit of relaxing time and see my dogs because they're adorable (laughs) um 
watch a bit of TV, do a little bit more work in the evening because um, I found that I sort of work best in the morning and the night. It sort of looks a bit different for everyone at the moment, I think. But yeah, then I will go to bed, but it will be different every day. <laughs> I like that. I like the very, very focused uh, orientation there. Plenty of time for downtime, Mm. changing the spaces you're in and spending time with the dogs. Uh, Very important. You know, already you've got the the knack of mixing and matching the different things that are going to help to bring out the best uh, in you when it comes to studying. That's something that uh, people in the workplace, let me tell you, are still struggling with that balance, uh, Georgina. So Never, never lose sight of that. And don't ever forget it either. Thank you so much. And and next, we really wanted to delve into your understanding of privilege and allyship and really have that kind of conversation. So first of all, I really wanted to understand what is it that privilege means to you? Like, what is your understanding of the word privilege? So to me, privilege is the parts of our stories that we don't face problems because of. It's those things that allow us sometimes not to recognize that there are problems simply because we don't experience them ourselves and so for me um the massive things are I'm white and I'm cisgender and a lot of the people that I know aren't and so I think my job is to recognize that I I do have those privileges that haven't caused me difficulties um and to make sure that I'm listening to the perspectives of people who don't have the privileges that I have I think we're so it kind of can be a little bit uncomfortable to to say that we have privileges when we do and um for us to move forward I think we kind of have to stop being afraid of that and and learn to live with the fact that sometimes our discomfort can be a a sort of stepping stone to us learning something and to embracing someone else's experience and how we can sort of move forward into into being an ally for certain people and I think the answers to what privilege is and what allyship is, because it's to do with diversity, there's going to be sort of a different answer for everyone. And again, I do hope that any answer that I'll give to that is going to change as I learn more, because I hope to learn more. I think it's a ongoing process of, of learning what these things look like. Wow, A star response. That was fantastic. Honestly, yeah. your your self-awareness, Georgina, and you'll probably remember this from the, the work experience, um, how important self-awareness is and how often it's lacking. Your your self-awareness is extraordinary. I mean, that's two or three times now where you've acknowledged that this is your understanding now, yeah. but you're hoping it will change over time, which again is what we call a growth mindset. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of jargon in the corporate world, you'll find, <laughs> Georgina, but You've got that growth mindset, you know, which is, is, is extraordinary. I mean, anyone who's listening to this and looking for bright young talent and thinking, gosh, this young lady um, could, you know, pop into our offices for some experience or whatever. Uh, Georgina's really, really showing you the, the leader she is. And, and one of the things I'm even more proud of uh, regarding Georgina is the work she's been doing around diversity itself. Like she's very, very humble about this and sometimes self-deprecating but she's done incredible work Mm. in diversity do you want to share a bit about what you've been doing uh, at Burgess Hill Girls around diversity Georgina yeah so sort of a bit of backstory to where I'm coming from with this so I'm a bisexual woman and I was outed at the sort of end of my year eight in school 
which was a very difficult experience, an uh, experience that came with a lot of bullying, some harassment, and it it really takes a toll on you, especially in terms of your mental health. I remember sort of during year nine, I sort of became a recluse to the art room and I'd spend most of my time just sitting in there and it's got these big windows. And there was one day when I was looking out the window and I thought other people are going through this. And I'm someone who has a sometimes annoyingly strong sense of justice. And it's something that I've come to really value. And I, I just couldn't sit with that thought without doing something about it, that there were going to be other students who are having this experience and I could try and find something within me that could help them in the way that I wished someone had helped me and of course I had lovely teachers who I'm so grateful for and everything in this experience but I knew that I had to do something and so I spent this was by the time we we're here um, about year 11 um, and so I spent a lot of time towards the end of year 11 and over the summer before going into lower sixth um setting up a new idea called prism and it was a community group for the lgbtqia plus students in our school because there needed to be a place and it was for acceptance and community and talking about things that perhaps you wouldn't feel as comfortable about talking um about when you're in a classroom with peers who may not necessarily be so understanding and really I didn't know where I wanted this to go because it was so much about the students around me but when we got to my first week of lower sixth I'd been in talks with senior leadership staff different teachers I'd sent an email and a letter out to parents and students um, and after all this progress, we got to our first session and I was terrified. I'm someone who finds it quite difficult to be in front of people and people who know me will be like, what? You do debate, you do theatre, that's your thing. Um, but I, I do those things. I push myself into them because they scare me. And I think that that's really valuable. And so I was there. I was quite worried about it. And as soon as we had almost 20 students start coming into this room and I was just immediately sort of more at peace with myself in that situation and since then we've had I think well I've led at least 40 sessions whether that be on my own or after because we've transferred our leadership now but we've had in our in our first year we had so much progress in I think 30 sessions was where we got to somewhere around that we'd had theatrically themed sessions with dress up we'd had some that felt a, a little bit like group therapy we'd had some where we were laughing so much that we had like one kid on the floor we had movie nights every half term and I had feedback saying that from students who had really come out of their shell saying that that space was was healing for them that they really needed that 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 lightened up their week and it was quite surreal that it had had that kind of impact so by the end of of last year I had also been I'd spoken to the governors I'd been doing outreach work to other schools to help them set up similar groups 
Um, and I'd also been doing some volunteer work for the charity It Gets Better UK, which is about inspiring hope for um, queer young people. And I'd, I couldn't really believe what had happened. And I um, ended up winning um, this award from the Queer Student Awards for being their young role model of the year. And I went up to Manchester to to get this award and I didn't know what to expect at all. But just being around other people in the community, other people who had the same experiences, it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And so the, the work that I've done at Burgess Hill has been really rewarding. Um, since then, uh, I've been doing work uh, just generally around inclusion at the school. Uh, I've chaired student council. I'm now no longer doing that. It's been passed on to another person. It's very strange getting to the end of year 13 and then all the stuff that you were doing just sort of stops very slowly. But I'm also the first inclusion and student voice officer at Burgess Hill, which has allowed me to do so much more work. And I'm so grateful for, for everything I've been able to do. That's just absolutely amazing. amazing to be doing that on top of A levels, mm. and you know, uh, wow! Not only at the school, but then thinking about others and setting up, helping others to set up as well. It just shows phenomenal leadership, doesn't mm. it, Max? It's extraordinary. That's amazing. And um, wow, that's just fantastic. You really need to pat yourself on the back for that one, honestly, because it's <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing work, and such Thank a you. powerful message as well to people uh, out there. Like you provided a safe space and then the people that you've helped come out their shell and, you know, honestly, and it's just amazing. So you know, thank you for doing that work. Honestly, we need more people like you. you know? Yes, definitely, Georgina. And and I love so much of what you're saying as well and what you said earlier about how you ask why. Um, that's so important to ask why. Yeah. I mean, the amount of times that... I've been involved in things at work where it's very clear we've lost sight of our our why. Mm. Why are we doing this? So asking why and developing that habit is invaluable, Georgina. It's something that is so, so, so important going forward um, in the business world and whatever stage you might be at uh, in your life. I love what you said about how you basically do what scares you, Mm. how, you know, despite the fact that, you know, public speaking, these things don't come naturally to you. Doing what scares you, you then become very, very good at doing it mm-hmm. over time to the point where people are then surprised when you're telling them that you actually don't feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, these are all such extraordinary leadership traits that many seasoned professionals I know don't have this, Georgina. I can't, I can't tell you enough how how exceptional you are, really. You show so much courage focus and dedication. I have no doubt that whatever you decide to do in the future, you're going to not only do it well, but this is just the beginning of us hearing about Georgina Mm. Rigg and her work. I have no doubt about it at all. 100%. And and, on the topic of why, our final question, we really wanted to know, why is it that diversity and inclusion is important to you? I've been thinking on that a lot. For me, I think it's just because that's who we are. As as people, we, I think, want to do the best we can for those around us. But unless we unlearn things, learn things, think about what understanding means, what respect means, we can never really fulfil that 
I think our genuine relationships with others is what carries us. And without this kind of stuff, you are really going to struggle to have that and to make progress, not just in a personal sense, but overall as as people to develop compassion and to make real change that that will last we have to think about what we're valuing and I think that this should be something that we're valuing yes all comes down to values at the end of the day that's absolutely right Georgina I can't thank you enough for this truly um I I can't imagine being asked to record a podcast when I'm about to start my A-levels um and being so enthusiastic in your response I didn't even want to leave the house I mean I didn't go out for weeks anyway yeah, Max is ultra extrovert and he became a hermit when as he was... As soon as uh... I, yeah, the stress just got to me immediately. Even I couldn't talk to him, Georgina. <laughs> That's how bad it got. <laughs> so I'm really grateful to you, my dear, for, for setting aside the time. Really grateful. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for this opportunity and it's been great to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to our lovely listeners. Uh, Wow, what an amazing second episode of season five. See, Max and I did say that season five was going to be very special Mm. uh, with a focus on Gen Z and young people uh, and those who are shaping their lives and and those incredible young leaders like uh, Georgina who are just beginning uh, their impact on the world and what an exciting future it looks like. And with that, I'll say goodbye. Uh, to you all until the next time when we have another truly inspiring conversational interview with yet another set of incredible leaders just like Georgina Rigg. Thanks very much everyone and goodbye for now.